0: Podcast with your hosts Sims Wilbanks
1: and Trent Creech.
0: We hope everyone had a great new year and welcome to 2023. Trent and I are gonna start the new year off with our third podcast, and today we're gonna get more into depth about ourselves.
1: Yeah, so we had we asked a few people and had a few fan questions come back, and one of the big questions we were asked is like, so how do you get into a sport like jujitsu? and how do you work your way through the belt system so can't really speak for everybody but i can speak for myself and i can speak pretty highly for sims too um the jiu-jitsu belt system is, is, a, is a different one right so you have certain martial arts where you can go through and you can get your black belt in like two years three years um and really you can be like five six seven eight whenever you get your black belt which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me um cool thing about jujitsu is it takes you a long time to progress through the belt system whether that long time be seven eight years whether it be 10 years whether it be 15 years um it's it's a little bit different than, than most belt systems also and the hardest thing about starting jitsu and starting your belt system yourself is stepping into a gym and stepping into a gym for the first time for anybody i don't care if you're a college football player you're a professional athlete you're a normal person you're a 105 pound girl sims um is it's kind of nerve-wracking for everybody or if it's not nerve-wracking Within the first like 10 minutes of you being on the mat and somebody grabbing a hold of you that actually knows what they're doing, you're kind of like, whoa, Like, what's happening? It's a super like homely experience. Um, I know for me, when I started jiu-jitsu, I started after college. Um, I was a football player. I was right around 210, 215. All I did was lift weights. I was personal training at the time and i wanted something else i wanted something else to compete at you know i stop playing football um and wanted something else to just keep pushing me and have like goals to set and i remember i was one of the ladies i was training her husband at the time was a purple belt in jujitsu and he invited me to come to their gym and he might have been 180 pounds and you know, here I am, like, 210, 215, like, really no body fat, just like, oh, I'm so strong, I can do anything. And I was like, none of these guys are really going to, like, work me or really, like, put me in a bad position. I'm just going to tackle these guys and hold them on the ground and see whatever moves I've seen somebody do, like, on UFC. I, like, had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, ah, know I can do it. Um, of course, we've all been, like, bar fights before, and, you know, that just that's just absolute chaos. But I remember the first time – the guy with a purple belt grabbed a hold of me, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I'm drowning. I was like, there's absolutely nothing I could do. And I remember, like, after that, like, come to Jesus moment, I was, like, hooked. I was like, oh, man, like, this is this is something I want to come back and do. I remember waking up the next morning, and I was like, man, I just, I felt like I went through, like, a whole week of, like, two days. Like, it didn't even make sense how sore I was. So, kept going back and kept going back and kept going back and now today i'm a brown belt under michael key which is a black belt under helson gracie um so there's a long time frame in between there and i've gotten my brown belt in i started training in 2017 it is 2023 so i've been training for right at five years five years and like three months somewhere around there if you know me, I've got my tattoos on my leg, So anytime somebody asks me, like, oh, how long have you been training? I just kind of point at my white belt on my upper left thigh. I'm like, that's the date? Like, I don't know. That's Everybody asks me, so I just get confused about it. Um, but I remember I've been training for about a year. I still have my white belt. And I was starting to make a lot of progress. I was really starting to get kind of, like, obsessed with it, like, to the point to where, yeah, I might have started training, like, two or three days a week. And at about a year, I was training right around probably five to six days a week. Um, And I ended up moving back home after college. I went to Coastal Carolina University. Um, Moved back home after that. Was doing construction work and found a gym in Aiken, South Carolina, which is about 40 minutes from my hometown of Barnwell. And uh, after that, I was hooked there. I had a really good instructor. Um, shout out to Brandon New at uh, South Aiken Jiu Jitsu. Um, great instructor, really pushed me to be all that I could be within the sport. I think he knew I kinda had like a like a somewhat of a future in it, as long as I kept my head on straight and really, really like practiced. Um and actually took training serious. It's not just some like going out there and playing around. There's a lot of playfulness, but there was actually a lot of like Seriously learning the techniques and seriously, you know, learning and drilling and, you know, putting myself in bad positions and making me work out of them. Um, awesome for, awesome coach for where I was at at the time and still keeping touch with him as much as I can to this day. Um, I was with him through from blue belt to purple belt. Um, and I remember the day that I got my purple belt, I just, we were, me and Sims were back home and it was christmas yeah it was christmas time and i stopped into his gym and i was just wanting to go hang out with everybody you know we had been living in somerville and charleston at the time and i just wanted to go by and see everybody and hang out with everybody and then like up just like popped my purple belt and i was like oh my god this is crazy and funny story sims was actually in the bathroom when i got my purple belt and through my purple belt like initiation where you know you have to go through, and there's no video, so nobody really knows if this, if this happened or not. But where you kind of like get on your hands and knees, and everybody takes a turn, like hitting you with the belt, like old school style, like promotion. I feel like kind of how it kind of how it should be. Um, yeah, she came out and she was like, "What happened? What happened?" And I was like, that's getting my purple belt, and I was like, "How crazy is that?" Um, but. Yeah, and in between there, you know, I had quite a few tournaments, quite a few super fights. I remember, the first, I remember the first tournament I was in, I thought I was ready for it, and I trained, like, a lot for it. And, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, just being an athlete in a martial art, I had to cut a bunch of weights. So I cut, like, eight, nine pounds for, like, a day of, like, weigh-ins tournament. Um, I went, and my first match, uh, first thing I was taught in jiu-jitsu... I was taught how to shoot a double leg. Came from a football background um, where I was a strong safety linebacker. Really kind of played a little bit everywhere. So I knew how to tackle people. So first thing they taught me is how to shoot a double leg. Just like run through somebody, change levels, and just tackle them. So I remember first thing I did was I shot a double on this guy, and I picked him up in the air, and I slammed him, and he landed on his head, and I was so excited, and I got disqualified. And I was like, man, like, what happened? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I can't go anymore. And the guy was Brazilian, too, speaking Portuguese. And I was like, I have no idea what you're saying. But they held up a little X, and I got disqualified. And I was kind of like, oh, man, like, cool, like, whatever. So went on to the gi, and I had a guy pull guard on me, and he tried to armbar me, and I was still a meathead. So I just grabbed my own hand and picked him up above my head and, like, shook him off. And I'm still kinda not like butthurt about it, but still just like, okay, well He I picked him up in the air and he didn't let go. So technically it's his fault. But he fell and of course he made a weird noise and I got disqualified again. So my first two two jiu-jitsu matches ever, I got disqualified in both of them and really just didn't rub me the wrong way, but I was kinda like, oh like this is I got there's there's something I can do something better. I can do something more than what I did today, and I've got to, like, read the rules more. So I started getting into actually reading the rules a little bit more. Um, then after that, I had a few more tournaments, did really good, entered a lot of open tournaments as a blue belt. And, yeah, subbed a, subbed a few guys I probably shouldn't have. Guys I just were a little more athletic then, were able to move a little bit better. Um, like I said, I also had a really, really, really good coach too that, that helped me out a lot and um i remember taking a match with now now a friend um in my first super fight now i was super nervous because he was he'd been training for a lot longer than i have and uh, i remember him walking out with these uh these spats on that had cats on them They had like little literally had like little baby like kittens on them and i was like how am i gonna take this guy serious I remember being, like, so nervous walking out there, and my heart just, like, pounding and just, like, beating. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, like, I'm, I haven't have not been this nervous maybe maybe ever, maybe since my first ever, like, football game, my first ever, like, baseball game. And uh, I went out there, and I subbed the guy with the key lock in probably, like, two or three minutes. And I was, like, so happy. And, of course, like, that, like, after that, I was 100% hooked, and I was training, like, six, seven days a week. Um and, uh, you yeah, that kind of leads us back into when I got my purple belt, um, competed a lot through there, had my blue belt for like a year and a half, somewhere around there. Um, and like I said, I, was, I met Sims and we started dating whenever I was still a blue belt. Um, so I guess I've been training for right around like two and a half years at this point. Um, had a couple MMA fights. We can get into that on different podcasts. Um, but around this time I got Sims into training And before I go through the whole Purple belt to brown belt Where there's a lot of competing, a lot of super fights um, A lot of traveling All over the country And really getting to do this sport that I love I want to ask Sims About like, the first time She stepped into a gym like Within like detail So Sims, like whenever the first time you stepped into a gym With me after I finally got you to go How did you feel?
0: Nervous. Well, to go back a little bit, prior to us getting together, jiu-jitsu was something that I'd always wanted to try. Um, So I had originally gone into uh, two gyms, and I just didn't feel like I fit in, which is, I guess is weird to say, but I'm 105 pounds. I know we say that a lot, but I'm a very, very, very tiny woman, so... The first two times I went into a gym, it was just kind of nobody wanted to roll with me. It was kind of like being in the back and just kind of existing. Um, And that wasn't really my vibe. Like Anytime I get into something, I'm very, very, very invested in it. So prior to going with you the first time, I was really nervous because I had known that jiu was something you really enjoyed, and it was something that I had longed to try for so long, and I was nervous that I would hate it like I did the first two times. Um, but I guess the positive thing is I tried it again, and I liked it. I actually became obsessed with it, and I think sometimes <laughs> Trent gets aggravated with me because there will be times where, fast-forward me, being into jiu-jitsu for two and a half years now, I, uh, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll, I'll roll over and I'll say, Trent, if I do this from here and they do that, wouldn't I do this? And he'll get so pissed and he's like, yes, would you stop waking me up and answering your own questions?
1: Yeah, I know. Like, There's been a few times where I'll wake up pretty much every night around like 2.30 a.m. to go pee and there's been a couple of times where I'm sitting there peeing this pitch black in the house. Like I'm so quiet getting up and Sims will like roll over and ask, or she'll like sit up and like ask me something about jujitsu. And I'm kind of like, <sighs> yes, or, or no, <laughs> or like, Hey, I'm probably just going to explain this in the morning because I'm just like, I, I don't want to talk about this right now. I'm yeah, just like, it's,
0: it gets bad. Yeah. I, uh, I love it though, um, but I don't have as long of a road as Trent does yet, um, but I started training jujitsu two and a half years ago. I was a white belt for a year and some change, so when I started, my main goal was I was always super, super active. I really needed something to kind of stimulate my brain. Um, I'm very add hyper add um so when i took a very bad injury in high school which we kind of talked about in our intro podcast um and i think with isaac a little bit we touched on it but uh had a really bad injury in high school um kind of affected me uh wanting to play college soccer and really being able to do anything athletic prior to that um So being able to mentally stimulate myself was very, very, very important. Um, Right around the time that Trent and I joined a gym together here in Charleston, um, I was into my own business for two years. um, And anybody that runs their own business, we all know how extremely stressful and time-consuming it is. Um, So I was really, really struggling um, personally and mentally With being able to regulate my stress and not let it affect my personality and overall life. Um, So that's kind of what really got me obsessed into jiu-jitsu. I was really itching to have something to help myself personally. um, Which in the end, helping myself personally has significantly influenced my um, athletic and physical abilities. Um, Going into... I'll be... this year I feel more healthy and alert and I just feel overall better than I have my entire life Um, especially when I thought that I was fit Um, but anyways not to jump all over the place trained for a year and a half we moved locations still in Charleston but moved so we transferred to Gracie Jiu Jitsu with Mike Uh, we're now in the Citadel Mall So it was a little bit closer for us, especially with as much as I travel and drive for my job. It's kind of halfway. Um, Training there for a little while. I got my blue belt last December 27th, um, which was very, very exciting. I was overjoyed for that. Never really felt, still kind of don't feel like I deserve my belt, but I feel like as hard as I've put in work in my past couple of competitions, I think I've kind of proven my worth for my blue belt. Yeah, you and Isaac got
1: your blue belt on the same day, too. Um, yeah. Well, we,
0: which, we started around the same time. I mean, Isaac had some some prior wrestling and a little bit of jiu-jitsu work, but we kind of started around the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'll say both of y'all, y'all definitely had to, to earn your blue belt. Not that, like, most people don't, or not that I didn't have to earn my blue belt, but y'all definitely had to to, to earn your blue belt. Y'all were in a – when y'all started training, y'all were in a room full of, like, a room a room full of killers and nobody, I mean like nobody took it easy on each other at all. Um and I try to think of it a word it. Um everybody that when we joined Gracie Charleston, everybody there was I felt like was like better than me and better than Isaac and better than, than us. And eventually like it, it's one of those things that's either you 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 get better with the competition. You get better with competing with a bunch of killers every single day, or you just kind of fall behind and you quit. And we've seen like a lot of that. A lot of people fall out. A lot of people will switch gyms because it's too hard, or a lot of people get
0: just in yeah they the get bubble. comfortable.
1: They stay stagnant. And they don't want to roll with everybody, and they don't want to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Like you know they'd rather roll with the people they can just like beat up all the time, whereas like. I know, like with myself, I know that I roll with people I know are going to push me, and even if I don't, you, you've got to put yourself in bad positions. You've got to be like, all right, well, let's start in this position, let's start in that position, like even like start with like a you know like an armbar like halfway extended or like like in a in a honey honey in a honey hole type position where you're going to have to work in a position you wouldn't usually be caught in in a normal role. You're putting yourself there so that you can get better. And that's another way you progress pretty fast through the belts because it's like you get caught there in a the live role. It's like, oh, like, okay, I've been here a million times before. I don't really have to worry about anything just because I don't know how to get out. I'm cool. I'm calm. You know, just like little things like that. And I know that's one thing that has made Sims and her jiu-jitsu journey, I like, how she's progressed like, so fast from the time of like halfway through having her white belt to now having her blue belt for a little bit of time.
0: I think one thing to point out too is from the time I started jiu-jitsu, which was two years up until between August and October of last year, was the first time I had ever had a match. Or even rolled with someone my own size so um, I had that one match with a girl that was my weight and then for the second time my entire jiu-jitsu career so far was the finishers competition we drove to Pennsylvania for and that was my first televised match so for two and a half years of my jiu-jitsu journey I had never rolled with someone my own size Um, A really, really good friend of mine, which I hope we're going to have, come on this podcast um, because I think she's going to have a very important and a really cool story. Would be Zoe. Um, She's worked with me so much um, and has been a very reliable female training partner here in Charleston. I don't know why, um, but it seems like it's a very tough thing to find females to train with here. Um, It for some reason, and this is just me speaking out of opinion. and everybody has their own. But I feel like in the female jiu-jitsu world, everyone stays in their own gym, which is frustrating. I'm not sure if it's gym rules that people can't move around and train with other people. Um, but we can kind of get into that
1: right. one another time. I think there's also a lot of, and I hate to say it, but there's a lot of really weird guys that either want to roll with girls a lot or they don't want to roll with girls at all
0: well and i'll agree with that because there's been times we've traveled and and trent and i have traveled last year we traveled to 10 different places
1: uh we were in seven or eight different states
0: yeah and we went to pennsylvania twice so i guess 10 nine would be 10 different ones and
1: And we were in Vegas for a week at West Coast Trials. Yeah,
0: which I I would agree with. We've traveled to a lot of gyms. We've rolled at a lot of different gyms in different states. Um, And I have that problem. There's been times when we've left. And one cool thing about Trent, and I love it, he always does it from the time we've started till now, is anytime we train somewhere new or have a new gym, we will get in the car and we'll kind of recap how we felt about the gym, things we liked, things we didn't. Just from personal preference. Um, but he'll always ask me how I felt. Um, and I've always loved that just because of my size. It is it is hard going into a gym. Um, and there's been times where I've told Trent that I've been frustrated. Like people will say they don't want to roll with you. Or you'll start rolling with them and it's like you're rolling with like a limp noodle. And it's frustrating as hell. Um,
1: yeah, I think a lot of that comes with experience too. And like if somebody's not experienced... I know that a lot of times and a lot of it is the ego thing too because like a lot of girls in jiu-jitsu can beat up guys in jiu-jitsu and they just don't want to admit it or it's like a thing of it's like I'm a big guy and I don't know how to roll with a girl whereas like say I'm like 190 pounds and I can roll with sims all day because I know how to shift my weight and how to make my weight 105 pounds or pretty darn close to it Um, so I think it comes with a lot of experience and stuff, but like I said, I also think that a lot of guys have ego problems and they don't like rolling with girls. They don't like rolling with girls, especially girls like you. They're used to training with dudes all the time that actually train with you and actually push you because they don't want to get beat up by the 105 pound girl that's a blue belt.
0: Yeah. Well, and everybody at our gym, they know how much I want to progress in this. So nobody's nice and i've 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 created that monster especially yelling at all the guys at the gym I'm like stop being so nice to me you let me have that or yeah. i know that they're letting me get into a submission and i'll just stop rolling and they're like what are you doing and i'm like i'm not going to get there unless you don't want me to you yeah. know and then i want to actually try like don't waste my time in here you know yeah so i think i've just never <laughs> i i was more nervous for rolling with the girl from the finishers match than I have been any of the absolute matches I'd ever done. I looked at Trent and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I mean, I, f- I feel fine. I was like, but I just, I feel like I'm walking into the unknown. Like I'd rather go on the mat and it'd be like 185 pound Trent instead of a 105 pound girl. Cause I don't know what it feels like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how to fight somebody, somebody of my own kind. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to do this. And I was the same when I fought MMA, every time I'd fight a southpaw, I would be like, Hmm, I'd be like, how do I fight someone that looks just like me and stands just like me and throws a throws a cross from the uh, from the other from the other side like I do? I'm kind of like, hmm, what is what is that? What, what is what's happening? Um, but I will say one thing that again has helped Sims progress a lot is that at our gym we learn little guy jujitsu, and I think that that is huge when you start progressing through belts just because of the fact of you learn so much more technique from a little guy i'm not taking away from big guys kind of big guys are super technical too but a lot of big guys even their black belts they'll get away their whole entire career of being able to muscle things or being able to shift their weights in different directions where our coach mike is 130 pounds like soaking wet and james might be james is James might be mad at me for this, but James is 155, 160 pounds. Um, he'll still go to your ass, but he's only he's he's he's, t- he's tiny. <laughs> um, and uh, learning like little guy jiu-jitsu from those guys which is super technical jujitsu, and being ha- have making sure your your placement, making sure your hips are perfect, making sure the squeeze is exactly right. You you learn a lot more from that than you do learning jujitsu from a guy that might be 300 pounds and he might just like face crank you every time he takes your back. Or he might just grab a army and guillotine and just like squeeze until he can't squeeze anymore. And sadly, like a lot of guys are taught that. And that's one thing that, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to never have taught that, but I've sat in on classes and I've been places where they are taught that way. Whereas somebody like Sims who is smaller who doesn't have the power of a hundred and ninety to two hundred pound guy, you know, like she has to finish stuff like with proper form. And that is one awesome thing about our gym. And anybody that, like watches even of our guys compete or watching our guys roll are like, man, like even the big dudes are super, super technical. Now you know like being with being super technical, sometimes you also have to just like you have to just grin down and bear it and finish it. Especially with guys your size or girls your size. Like in Sims' last match with the girl and puppet finishers, like it comes to a point whenever, and a lot of people don't like it, but when you tuck your chin into a rear naked choke, that is not the right way to defend a rear naked choke. And I'll tell that to anybody, even guys in our gym. Whenever somebody in our gym... Even like when I when I teach or whenever like I help people or I do privates like do not tuck your chin get get out of it the right way, move your hips, fight the hands there's a body lock, go to the body lock side. you can't get out going the other direction right when you tuck your chin, you might buy yourself a couple seconds but you get the right person, let's say like myself or like Isaac like that's the reason that we lift weights that's the reason that i you know like do so many pulling movements in the gym is because whenever you tuck your chin like my eyes light up i'm like oh you just messed up bad it's like you got a better chance to get now if i'm actually on your neck than different your jaw because now you have to try to get your jaw out while getting your hips out while your jaw is getting turned and i'm kind of like this is not this is not the not not the right way to get up and when sims finally had somebody her size the girl tucked her chin, and I just kept screaming at her. I was like, keep cranking, keep cranking, keep cranking. And it wasn't quite that nice, but that was the gist of it. And eventually, like, that body, the bottom of your jaw is not very strong, and eventually it will start to pop and crack. And I think we all know what comes after a pop and a crack. It's usually a break. So the last thing you want to do is skip technique, not learning how to get a ring choke the right way, and break your jaw because you're just being stubborn and don't want to do the technique the right way or don't want to get out the right way. And now you have your jaw wired shut for however long, however long it takes to get it fixed. Um, but, yeah, and I know that that's one thing that like a lot of people don't get to roll. People their size or people that aren't that strong – They're they're not really, like, used to having to grin down and just, like, bear on submissions. Where I think Sims finally got to to see that in her uh, last match with finishers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, especially coming into the new year, once my hand is uh, out of this monstrosity, um, I think one of my personal goals is to compete as much as I can now that I've gained a lot of, not publicity, that's not the right word, but a lot more attention has come towards my weight since I've had the opportunity to compete on finishers. So I think one of my really big goals is to, now that I finally have the opportunity to compete in something that's more of my stature, um, I really, really, really want to go more abroad with it, so...
1: Yeah, and I mean you can't really blame other girls at 105 pounds for not doing jujitsu because at the same time it's like it's a lot of technique. But there's also a lot of really big guys that do jujitsu. Well, so here's my thing.
0: Here's my thing. Just a small take on it. I will roll with anyone that walks in our gym. I don't care how big you are, how small you are, how tall, how short, how jacked, how beanpole. It does not matter. But when it comes to a competition, and, you know, Trent, put your input on this. This is just my personal opinion. When you're in a competition, rolling is completely different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I don't, I don't mind rolling heavy. I've rolled a couple of absolutes um, just to see where I was and to, and to build my confidence just in reality. But when you're rolling in a competition, things are different. People don't want to admit to do it, but they do it all the time. You know, for example, me getting into a super fight with a girl that's 15, 20, 30 pounds heavier than I am. People just getting on top of you and just stalling and just sitting is frustrating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I can't roll and I don't want to have a competition against someone heavier than I am. But damn, you got to give yourself some kind of fair chance. You know, I, I can I can bench heavy for my weight. But it's a lot different when you got broad hips on top of you,
1: yeah, hipping yeah. into you. Know? Yeah, especially if somebody like that's somebody that's bigger than you, and somebody that knows how to shift their weight, and somebody that knows how to use their weight. Like some girls do, or like girls, you're gonna start competing against. Actually, actually do. Um, just like there's a lot of things that I can get away with when I was a white belt, a blue belt, even a purple belt that I can't get away with now, just because like people understand how to shift weight they understand how to move their hips they understand where there's space where there's not space whereas like i feel like through the white and like blue belt ranks it's just like there's a lot of chaos and chaos is cool because chaos induced a lot of scrambles and if you ever watched me roll like i try to induce scrambles because i win scrambles and what i mean by scrambles is pretty much like i'll initiate a really fast movement and hoping that you will engage back in that movement and when you engage back in that movement, a lot of times I'm able to follow your hips and able to stay glued to you, end up on top or end up on the back or end up in a very, very, very good position, whereas a lot of people won't. It's um, so our rabbit. Our rabbit just ran right across our feet. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, so inducing scramble and stuff is something that, that I enjoy doing. And I enjoy, like I said, I enjoy doing it because I come from an athletic background, I'm pretty fast. And Sims also follows a lot with that style because Sims is also very athletic and she's very fast, even for other 105-pound girls. And it also it makes people super, super, super tired. Um, if you don't train that way, if you're not used to working that way, whereas a lot of our lifting movements, they're all fast-twitch movements. Um, fast-twitch movements build very strong connective tissue, very strong connective tissue, Is what you feel whenever someone grabs you and they feel just like their arms and their legs just feel like hard. They just feel like rock hard. Um, That's all connective tissue. And whenever whenever you're inducing those, a lot of people don't train that way. A lot of people train like lackadaisical, even if they're like high level competitors. And they're not used to moving fast for like minutes at the time, whereas... That's one thing that I really try to that I really try to impose on my opponents, and same thing with Sims. You watch Sims roll like, you know, less than like locks her down like in full guard. She's constantly moving, and just like that little bit of like pressure will eventually just like slowly break people, and people start to panic just a little bit more. They start to, you know, their, their little energy bar like when you used to play uh like video or like playing like Super Smash Bros, where it starts out at like it starts out in the green. And every time you move really fast, every time you jump, it starts dropping just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And eventually it gets down to the red where you start hearing somebody breathe really hard. And I've told plenty of people before, like, that's one thing I look for. That's one of my, like, favorite noises in this whole entire world. Whenever I can hear somebody start to breathe heavy, it's like I catch another gear. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm like, you're trying to quit. It's like, I'm going to make you quit. It's like instead of me working for this submission I'm gonna push you hard enough or you're gonna give it to me because you want a way out there's been plenty of competitions where I've've where I've won that way and sometimes too where you can you can see people they start to kind of like wilt and it's like all right it's like who wants it more and how bad do you want it more you know and I think whoever whoever wants it bad enough whenever they start, it's like, so it happens, It's like, just like a fight or flight, right? Whenever you start to run out of breath, you start to try to catch your breath, it's like, okay, either I'm going to fight through this, which you know you can, just because you know the 40% rule, but is your mind going to let you do that? Because your mind's going to fail a lot faster than your body is. Again, the 40% rule. Um, whenever, uh, when, whenever you start to get tired whenever you start to fail you start to question everything you've done rather than be like man i've put in all these hours at the gym i've done all these things i know i'm going to be okay but that's also why a lot of people don't win quite as much as they should is because they quit they start breathing a little bit heavy and they're like oh man like i'm, I'm just gonna find a way out because i'm uncomfortable whereas like I'm, i thrive in being in those uncomfortable situations and being like okay this guy's tired and I can hear him breathing, so I'm gonna catch another gear, and it's weird, it's really, really, really weird how the how the mind works with your body that way. But at Sims, I think that you would you would agree, because I know you've had matches where it's just like you're just pushing the person and pushing the person and pushing the person, and then all of a sudden it's just like, hey, they're just submission. Or it's like, hey, they finally gave me their neck, or it's like, hey, oh they you gave me your arm, cool. Like you yeah. took a you took a bad shot, like awesome. You know, you gave me a guillotine like when those things really would be hard to find when you keep like a high pace on somebody like you can see them starting just like
0: yeah i think something really cool especially when mike started working with me a lot one-on-one just helping me focus more on taking using advantage of my size especially in my white belt phase which is normal it happens to everybody I was very fast, my stamina was really good, but I was so quick in movement, my brain wasn't catching up with what was going on. And I think a big turning point in my mental process of the sport was when I could use my stamina and my quickness to my advantage, but also roll slow enough to where I could make puzzle pieces if that makes sense yeah you you can roll so fast where you miss simple stuff but you can also roll so slow to where now we're watching a black belt match on uh what's that play what's that thing we watch fury yeah or any of them where they're just sitting guard and kind of just fumbling with people's each other's fingers and it's just kind of like it makes it 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 aggravates us because I are like nobody's going to want to watch jiu-jitsu if it's boring like this
1: uh-huh. We want jiu to be mainstream. We don't want it to be boring. Nobody wants to watch boring matches. Just like nobody wants to watch baseball because baseball is boring. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to watch a boring football game. You know, nobody watches tennis.
0: Nobody watches men's soccer because they barely exactly. get touched and they cry and yeah. wilt.
1: They run for, uh, what, 90 minutes? Yeah. And nobody scores a point. I and mean, it's kind of like, what are you doing? You're just running around. Just everybody like has the their ground, own. Like, Trent and I are giving everybody crap. <laughs> yeah. Baseball and soccer suck. No, they
0: don't.
1: Um. But yeah. Anyway, so I so I know what you were doing because I would I would tell you this all the time is that you've got you have really good body mechanics. You are very athletic, and you would end up in really good positions and just not know how you got there and not know what to do when you got there you are just there i'm
0: stalling
1: yeah you were just kind of like <laughs> i gotta oh, reboot see you weren't, you weren't even stalling it's just like you would get there you would get there really fast and you would get in a good position and then you'd just be like grabbing just like random stuff because you're like i know i need to do something but i don't really know what to do so you would just be like ah like i'm so frustrated because i should have something here and i don't exactly know what to do do while I'm here, which I mean, like, there's still positions I get in sometimes, and I'm just kind of like, hmm, maybe I could do this there, maybe I could do that there. And then sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what the hell's going on, you know. Which I think at some point, in everybody's jujitsu career, no matter how experienced you are, no matter what you're doing, like, you're gonna end up in like weird positions where it's like, okay, this is brand new to me. Like, let me figure out what I can do from here. Because I, mean, I truly believe there's submissions from everywhere. Or if not, you can grab something that somebody has to address or it's going to hurt to advance to a different position.
0: Yeah. I really like how when we, when we have classes, we break down the drill, the objective of the drill. And then either the next day or once we've finished briefing attacks, we actually go into how you defend stuff. Yeah. I think it's always annoying when you go places and it's nothing, but this is what you do when you get here. Okay, well, that's great. First of all, you got to teach me how to get there. Second of all, you need to teach me what happens when somebody gets me there. Yeah. You know, get, Having an attack doesn't do any good if you don't know how to get out of it. Yes, you know what exactly. I'm yeah. Learning how to get out of something, I think, is even more important than being able to apply the tactic. Because if you know how to get out of it, you know how to stop them from getting out of it. Not to say it's going to work every time. 'Cause submissions don't always work every time you go for them. Yeah. But one of my favorite things to do is I'll use what little bit of knowledge I do have to bait. I'll go into something knowing that it's not fully there just to get to a different position if that makes sense. I like I like baiting into different things.
1: You gotta have a good poker face. Yeah. You gotta act like you know what you're doing, and sometimes you don't know what you're doing.
0: I don't wanna know what my face looks like when I roll. <laughs> My eyes are probably crossed all I mean, over the place. My tongue's really out,
1: biting your lip, biting your tongue.
0: No, I can't bite my tongue. It's my mouthpiece. I'm probably I'm probably sucking up drool somewhere from my er, big mouthpiece. I'm growling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, go into um, go into what your new goals are from your brown belt, and what we have to look forward to. Tell everybody what me and you have going on thus far of 2023 already and okay.
1: we're only four days into it so I'll, I'll go back a little farther than that so i stopped at purple belt so i got my purple belt really super shocked about it i didn't really in in a way looking back at it i think i did deserve my purple belt off of knowledge and off of i was competing all the time and i had, i had subbed quite a few guys that for experience and for belt level i should not have beat um and i was beating those guys pretty 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 handily um a lot of us got to do with i was in the gym 7 days a week i was also lifting 5 to 6 days a week um my diet is always on point i was really even though i'm still working a full-time job like i was treating my body like a professional athlete should so i got my purple belt had two more super fights which i won always in tournaments um got a Full little metal rack in there. Not too my own horn, but I, do, I did work my behind off for, for all those. Um, I go to... I uh, have my purple belt for... When did we go to Worlds? Um, I had my purple belt for probably like three, four months before we went to uh, Nogi Worlds in yep. Texas. And uh,
0: That's the story in itself. Yeah.
1: Me and the IBJJF did not get along when I was a purple belt. I had multiple matches where I won my weight class in Orlando. Um, We go to the Open. I got disqualified over a toehold and didn't realize I couldn't do it. Again, I should have read the rules probably. Then I go to another tournament and I win my weight class and I get disqualified in the Absolute again. And so then we go to Worlds. And I had a really good scene in Worlds and had a match against a guy. Super nice dude. Um, I got taken down and I rolled under and I caught a straight ankle. And I caught a straight ankle on a guy. I'm just going to say it. He was from a big school and was a Henzo Gracie school and I'm from a small school. And I straight-ankled the guy in like...
0: A minute. under a a minute
1: and he was tapping and as he was tapping he was looking at the official like hey this guy's doing something wrong and I got disqualified again. So yeah that was my that was my beef with IBJJF. I'm sorry I had another one after that I had another purple belt IBJJF tournament here in in uh, in Charleston and only had one match sadly and Subbed the guy really quick, took his back, choked him. Um, and uh, yeah, went and went in my weight class, went to the absolute, and I knew that I could straighten kneeboard. I just knew it. And I just sat back and uh, straightened board the guy pretty, 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 uh, pretty quick. And he cried like a little baby, like cried like an absolute, like child. And they DQ'd me, he limped off the mat, and once he got off the mat, he started walking fine. And I'm kind of like, this is why nobody wants to compete for you guys because of stuff like this.
0: Well, and the frustrating part is, and this is just my personal preference, and I'm going to say this kind of loud in the mic if you're competing at that high level in your purple belt, you need to know 100% of the body. You need to know leg locks, getting in, getting out of them takedowns, how to defend takedowns, anything to do from the waist up. You learn that from the very beginning. You need to be well-rounded in, in everything. Not know everything, but be well-rounded in everything. And the, frustrating, the frustrating part was you get these guys in here that are actually wanting to make a career out of the sport, at least speaking on Trent's perspective. They work day in and day out for this stuff. They pay a lot of money and travel to these competitions You put them on a mat, and you say, hey, guess what? You can only use 50% of the body. And it's frustrating because in the moment, you get in there and they're giving you things. They're giving you leg entries. They're giving you takedowns, all because they don't train for them. They're training the point system. They're training under IBJJF rules, which Trent and I have had this conversation time and time again that we now read the rules together. Yep. But in Trent's defense, when you're rolling like that, in that much pressure with that many eyes on you you can call us liars you can point fingers but if somebody's gonna give you something you're taking it you know what i'm saying yeah and it's kind of like that guy presented a very immature knee bar and it's kind of like in the moment it's kind of like ooh, look at this uh look at this hundred dollars i just found on the ground taking this with me so it was just frustrating and it and not to take up for Trent because he should have read the rules and if he's gonna compete, now we know. You know, you've gotta change your mindset and we're gonna start training. Yeah. Under well, a, these rules. I'm a
1: brown belt now, so as long as well, the really, body yeah. on their head and have a then like yeah. I'm good.
0: Which is true. Now that he's a brown belt, hopefully also, we won't have to worry about these things. But
1: learn how to speak Portuguese better yeah.
0: too. But the frustrating part and Trent's my boyfriend. I'll talk him up as much as I'll talk him down. Bring him back down to earth. I can do both. But the competitions that he was in, the frustrating thing is that he won all of these matches very easily. It wasn't like anything was a challenge. And all of the DQs he had was either because someone cried and moaned about it because they literally tapped in 30 seconds of an IBJJ Charleston match, IBJJF Charleston match, or they were on a very, very large platform, and the last one that you got submitted for, had he not rotated on purpose to make you into a false reap, you wouldn't have got disqualified. but that was just different. Oh, yeah. I forgot, so, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just from me, not that anybody cares, but don't look into me competing for IBJJF. It won't probably ever happen, number one, because I'm not crazy about the gee. And number two, I have a hard enough time remembering what I ate for breakfast in the morning. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, if I'm in the middle of a roll, I am not going to pay attention to a rule set like that.
1: Yeah. So So moving on from that, uh, the actually, the, so the weekend after I uh, competed in IBJJ of Charleston, um, obviously felt really good. And uh, we, me, Sims, we flew out to las vegas nevada and i'd always wanted to compete in the adcc trials um obviously pretty nervous about it only being a purple belt going there and only training for right at right around like four years at this time and i was already competing against a lot of these guys i was subbing other black belts and like local tournaments and like really good black belts but pretty much all the black belts i was up against i was i was subbing them um whether it be by choke, whether it be by you know like leg lock, whatever. Um, we left there. We went and stayed in Las Vegas, Nevada, for ADCC West Coast Trials, which was a blast. There was a bunch of people there. If you've never been to it, I suggest you go watch it, or at least go compete in it one time. Um, we had the the West Coast Trials was the biggest one ever. There was 255 people in my uh, there's 255 people in my in my bracket. I'm sorry, 256. 255 is not a, uh, um even number. Um, but yeah, 256 in my bracket. And we went out there with two of my coaches. One of my coaches competed, Pete Casa. Pete will be on the podcast soon. Um, Mike was out there with us. I went out there. I was warming up. All of these like world-famous guys there. And I'm like, all right. Like I told myself, I was like, you belong with all these people. I was like, you know that you do. Well first match that I was supposed to have, guys warming up next to me and he's just like standing there and like I can tell he keeps like looking at me and I'm like, yeah, like I'm having a match against you in a few minutes. Well, we walk out there on the mat and I'm all nice and sweaty and warmed up and you know one of the big things about like being a tournament is like you gotta get the first match out of the way. Once you get the first one out of the way, everything's a lot easier from there. Well, I get on the mat, I'm all excited to go and the guy just kind of walks by and, like, looks at us and never checks in and is like, Yeah, I'm not competing. And I'm kind of like, Dude, like, what are you like? Why would you even come all the way out here for that? Well, I don't know. Maybe I got scared, whatever. Um, and then I had my second match against a guy that actually was super, super, super impressive. He actually finished. He won a silver medal for Team USA in grappling this year. Um, Really, really, really um, good guy. Really impressive guy. Really, really, really tough competitor. Just one of those like gritty competitors. Going to be like all over the whole entire time. So I was pretty excited about about the match. And he uh, he came out and he was super slippery, and so was I. Neither one of us had shirts on. Anybody ever grappled with a shirt on with another guy that doesn't have a shirt on, or just grappled in skins? Like you know that you're going to be super slippery and you're barely going to be able to hold on to each other. And this dude hit me with a really, really, really... My strongest suit is my wrestling, for sure. This dude hit me with the cleanest like, duck under and got on my back and was like choking me. And again, like I was talking about earlier, I did not tuck my chin. I got my hips out and I got out the right way. Got out, I was able... To scramble up, he went to round the bounds, and I put both my hooks in and flattened him out right as he was going out of bounds. And cool thing about ADCC is that they want you to keep going. If somebody tries to run off the mat, tries to run away from you, they're like, no, 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 no. Like well, you can, you can still grapple on, on the carpet. You can still grapple on the hardwood. Like we don't care. Like we're gonna make sure you get your money's worth in a good position. Again, why well, I like those guys so much. But yeah, I ended up on the guy's back, flattened out, out of bounds. And then they picked us back up, and I was like, man, I was like, I just worked this hard to get this freaking black belt's back, and now they're going to reset us standing. But no, luckily for me, they gave me the position that I I worked for and that that I got, and I ended up starting with this guy with both my hooks in, flattened out on the guy's back, and I was able to finish him with a choke in under like a minute and a half. Um, a lot of stuff happened in a short period of time. So, that was a huge confidence booster. And I could kind of tell, like, like my coaches and all the people that were watching, they were like, man, you know, this was like a guy that was, like, ranked in the top 10 in the trials. And he, uh, trials only ranks the top 10 guys in your weight class. Um, he was the top 10 guy in the weight class. And I just remember being like, wow, like, you know, I, told, like, I kept telling myself, like, I belong with these guys, and I know I do. Well third match into trials um, I go out there and I grapple with a guy from California and he just does not engage he's one of those guys and everybody hates those guys that they just like back up and play patty cake and back up and back up and back up and the rule system with ADCC and trials is the first half of the match is no points no penalties no nothing second half Points are involved, penalties are involved, all that good stuff. So you can do whatever you want to the first three minutes. All submissions allowed. You can pull guard. You can do whatever you want to do. And this guy just would not engage with me. He literally just ran backwards for like three minutes. And it's really, 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 really super frustrating. And, you know, I kept trying to get him engage with him to the point where I literally just like stuck my head down and gave the guy my head. I was like, please, for the love of God, just like quit running away from me and just like grab my grab a guillotine grab my head and I think everybody and Sims can attest to this I think that they could all everybody could see how frustrated I was getting within the first like three minutes of the match and so here I am trying to get this guy to engage me it ends up being right at points and I shoot a really bad double leg I jammed my neck as I shot it and Turned sideways, took the guy down, um, and ended up sliding my head to the outsider right at the last second. Got caught in a guillotine, and I'm just like, man, like, I could have had that. I, I definitely wanted that match back, could have definitely won that match. And the guy would have faced after him. I would have definitely beaten him pretty easy looking back at it now. And that was just as a purple belt. And after that, I remember like going back, and I was obviously very, very, very upset. Um, Sims and Pete and Mike are with me, and they were all super supportive. And if uh, Sims wants to chime in with anything about like that match or like that weekend, like she knows, she she knows she can. Um, but yeah, it was eye opening to be like, wow, like even as a purple belt, like I belong with all of these super high level like black belts and stuff. And that's when it started tr- starting to be like pretty pretty real for me. Is like, hey, like you can actually have a future in this and you can make money doing this. You just have to do it the right way. Which is where we're at now. And right around like four months later, I had my purple belt for right at a year. I uh, got my brown belt, which was I was super shocked over. Just because I know like you you need to spend your time at every at every belt level. And I don't think just as Sim said earlier, I don't think anybody really ever thinks they deserve a belt until they actually get it or maybe not even when they get it, but they never think they deserve a belt until, man, maybe like a year after you even get it. Until you have to like prove it to yourself. It's kind of one of those things like within the sport as far as like not having that much. You have to have somewhat of an ego, but you don't need to have like a big ego. Um, you never think you de- you deserve that next belt because there's so much pressure that like comes with it. I went from being the best purple belt in the gym to... Now I'm the worst brown belt in the gym. Kind of one of those things. Um, And I feel like it's going to be that way once I get my black belt or once Sims gets her purple belt too. Um, But definitely had to earn all those belts and work for them. And that was me competing. I think last year I competed and had over 40 matches. I lost three of them, one of them. I say I lost three of them i really only lost two of them um one of them was in ebi match that i that i lost and i pretty much mauled the guy and i put up probably maybe like like 26
0: points yeah it was
1: something ridiculous and uh just I, I couldn't submit the kid like I had his arm like touching the back of his head with a kimura at one point. I had a choke locked in and no the 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 referee is one of our friends too, um, and he was like man he's like I'm pretty sure he went to sleep and just kind of woke back up. Um, but yeah, just dominated the match and got it winning overtime. Um, and one of them was me getting choked to trials, and the last one was when I had my first professional belt match up in finishers, and I got heel hooked and like. A minute and I went up I was up a weight class with a guy that's competed I just probably compete as much as I have if not maybe a little bit more we're about right around the same you know like competition level um but he just better than me that day and I made a dumb mistake and I got caught um somewhere I usually can get away with with uh people in the gym and other people competing just couldn't get away with him um shout out to Steve he's a super super cool guy um he just healed me and I couldn't do anything about it uh but yeah that's pretty much it for you know my, my story of getting up to this point with my brown belt um you know we have a, we have a couple more uh we have a couple more competitions coming up um I know a lot of it isn't like announced yet um hopefully I'll be on the Triumph Fight Academy um card March I'm sorry February 18th they can find somebody to actually take a match with me. So if you're listening to this and you want to match against a 185 pound uh, brown belt or 190 pound brown belt, like call call up uh, call up the guy at Triumph Fight Academy and uh, hit him up and tell him to actually take a match with me because nobody will. Um, I've also got a and it isn't announced yet, so maybe this is the first time it'll be announced. Uh, I don't think I don't think the owner will care, but. Conflict MMA is going to do a few combat jiu matches. And even though this guy weighs me by like 30 pounds, I'm still taking the match. And I think it's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be a pretty quick one. Um, just speed and athleticism makes such a big difference. Um, especially when there's, when there's strikes involved. But, uh, yeah, I have a combat jiu match with Conflict MMA in a cage. March 4th? Or March 26th. One of those two dates. It's
0: the one in Charleston's March 4th.
1: Okay. March 4th. Um,
0: the 26th is the Finishers. I can't remember what they're going to call this one. Um, they name it different every time. Yeah. But the March 26th is Finishers in Pennsylvania.
1: Okay. So. And Finishers always has the coolest names. Like I, I was like... And we we go up there and I see all their t-shirts and everything. I'm like, man, like they got the coolest shit out of all the all the jujitsu gear. Um coolest names coolest dudes too um
0: yes yeah, so very but- very very nice um program fantastic people trent and i the past three times we've been up there we have driven 13 hours in our swaggin wagon outside and we have slept with two dogs all three times we have slept in the back of that van on a blow-up mattress woken up early in the morning Got a little bit of a stretch in and made breakfast. Gone down to a Gold's Gym and showered. L.A. Fitness. L.A. Fitness, sorry. Gone down to an L.A. Fitness and showered. Came all the way back, put our jiu-jitsu clothes on, and competed. And immediately after both of us were finished, said thank you, hugged everybody by, and made the 13-hour drive back and went to work. The next day. The next day.
1: Yeah. By the way, first time we've ever been in a Wawa was on the way up there, and I don't know why the South doesn't have Wawas, but the South needs them because they would put all the Sphinx, they would put all these other gas stations out of business.
0: QT would not stand a chance. No, not
1: not a not a shot in hell. And every time we go there, I'm like, we got to go get some quesadillas. Like we got, they got they got like coffee. I don't know if y'all listen to Joey uh, Joey Diaz. We talked about that Brazilian Bolt. They got that Brazilian Bolt coffee in there, and that stuff will get you all jacked up. I drank a cup of that coffee, and I was like sweating on the way home with uh, with the AC just like blasting on me. Um,
0: yeah, when it was freezing in uh, Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's besides that. We'll, I'll be in Pittsburgh um, April fifteenth for it's an American Grappling Federation tournament, but it's a qualifier. For Team USA, um, I'm either going to compete at 184 or I'm going to compete at 200. It kind of depends on where my weight is around that point, and depending on how I'm feeling. Like losing, like losing that much weight before a, for a day of weigh-ins. Actually, I don't walk around with much body fat, and I don't really want to cut a lot of. I don't want, I don't want to stop lifting. I feel so good when I lift. And, you know, that's kind of what my – that's what my profession is going to be with me creating an app and me, you know, going back into personal training. And I just can understand that world – understand that world more than I do jiu- the, the world of jujitsu, um, But as far as, like, just being strong in certain positions, you're, you're always better when you're lifting. You're always stronger when you're lifting. Um, so I'm not really sure if I'm going to sacrifice that, like, six or seven pounds just yet rather than me being able to uh, – you know eat a, eat a few more steaks here and there and uh compete around like 200 pounds i'm not exactly exactly sure yet for day of weigh-ins out 100 percent go 185 um but i'm sorry day before weigh-ins out 100 percent go 185 but day of weigh-ins it's kind of uh it gets, it gets kind of it gets kind of dicey because i don't really have any body fat to drain water out of it's all muscle um the last thing i want to do is uh the Last thing I want to do is go out there and start cramping up, and not be able to play my game of just like pushing the pace and pushing the pace and pushing the pace. Um, but other than that, um, Sims, do you have anything coming up? Uh, um,
0: I get my cast off January 18th. Um, I've been offered some matches, I've been offered a match in Charleston, um, and three. And Pennsylvania finishers, like I said earlier in the podcast, my biggest downside as to why I haven't been able to compete as much as Trent is just my weight class issue um, and I'm, I'm hoping as I progress I'll build more confidence competing heavier um, but you know I just I want to enjoy rolling with people that I'm not used to rolling with which would be tiny me. So, mm-hmm. I get my cast off january eighteenth um i'm gonna see how that feels i'm I'm trying not to get my hopes up with everything that I mentally have on my on my jujitsu calendar uh, so i guess i guess to answer your question will depend on once I get this cast off i I think I'll be fine i've been I've been lifting the entire time it's been off I've just been kind of modifying uh what I do with my upper body uh but I haven't stopped I'm, I'm still training jujitsu jitsu with it um
1: doing lots of squats
0: lots of squats yeah thick thighs take lives you know yeah they don't save them <laughs> um but yeah I did want to kind of point out some uh some places that we've really enjoyed competing just in case there's anybody out there listening to our podcast that are wondering where to look for matches, um, for different weight classes. Maybe you're on my end of the spectrum where you're very tiny or very new, um, and want to, want to compete as much as you can, but also kind of stay where you're comfortable. And then some of you may be on Trent's perspective where you're ready to get your name out there. You want to get known and you want to take it to the next level. Um, and you don't really care where you're at in the weight or belt system. Um, so The first one we wanted to point out is ran by Zach. I'm not really sure how to say his last name. I think it's Zach Maslany.
1: Yeah, sorry, Zach. We don't know how to say your last name, but we love you to death. Yeah, and And uh,
0: he runs runs the Finisher's Sub Only. They're on Instagram at finishers underscore sub only. They're fantastic. He is so good at communicating with you. He messages back and forth um, asking for matches. Um, if you message him what you're looking for and when you can compete, he is very, very, very professional. Amazing at uh at getting things together for you, and just the event that they put on is so, so nice. Yeah. That gym is fantastic. It's
1: super well run. That's my favorite thing about it. Yes. Um. His Instagram handle is Big Uncle Zach Maslany. I'm sorry, Zach. I don't know how to say your last name. Um. But one of the most one of the most well-run tournament designs i've ever been to to. um you know most tournaments you're going here waiting like or super even super fights you're waiting like five ten minutes between each match you don't really know when to warm up you don't know what to do um it really kind of throws how you're going to start your game off if you're warm if you're too warm if you're tired if you're you know like just right when he says you're going to go
0: you're, you're, you are right you are, on the you money. You are going to go. You're right on the money.
1: Um, and Another shout-out to one of our friends, uh, Ricky Luckadoo. He runs Carolina Combat League, and Ricky's the exact same way. When he says you're going to go, you're going to go. And I'll give that dude one thing. He can always find you a match no matter what. He'll have dudes come up from Florida. He'll have guys come down from up north. But he's always going to find you a match, and that's a hundred percent guarantee. Um, you know, we got a couple other like local tournaments with uh, yeah, very Sega yep, a very up. good
0: local one is uh, Sega Grappling Association. Um, that's ran by Josh Manoa, um, another fantastic dude and a great cause for that. We've always enjoyed the Sega ones. If you're local to Charleston, um, they they travel. More wise I would say. Yeah, and like North Carolina, South Carolina. The
1: the men's and the women's absolute always have cash payouts. Yep. Even if it's like I think it's like five. I think I won five hundred bucks like last year in the last one, winning it. But yeah, it, was only, it was only it's like five hundred bucks. But I mean like. We are actually gonna go make five hundred bucks on a Saturday choking people.
0: Yeah, doing something you actually. Yeah, doing like. something
1: you actually enjoy doing.
0: Yeah, and another one that Trent and I are new to, but we've we've really really enjoyed the past few times we've we've gone up there is the Triumph Fight Academy. Has been very very nice. It's a it's a a medium sized billing building. It's a very good home style kind of feel. Uh, but again, that's a great place to go. Um, where, where's that at
1: again? That is in Fort Mill, South Carolina. I love yeah. that gym too, um, and that's another one that is ran super smooth and super efficient. And that's run by Avery Richard. Um, Avery is a, uh, he's a he's a he's a younger looking guy, um, super nice guy, very. Very well-spoken, um, and uh, got also got some killers up there in his gym, too. Um, but, yeah, he's another of those guys, too. Whenever he says you're going to go, you're probably going to go, like, five minutes before that. Yeah, so. in
0: Isaac's podcast that we did with him, that was the match that we were talking about when we pulled up into the parking lot, like, 45 minutes early, and uh, Isaac was already on deck. Didn't even have time to stretch. I mean, he's right on it. You better get there. You better be ready. You better be ready to roll. this is a really good thing for him, Yeah, We may have forgotten some. Um, These are the four that we've... Or three. No. These are the four that we've competed for a lot. Um, And Trent and I are the same as we are with people. Um, We want to be around you, learn more about you. We're not those kind of people that are going to make assumptions before we actually know who you are. Everybody's got a story. Um, if you're like Trent, you could walk up and talk to a car and have a full conversation with it. If you're like me, you kind of sit back in the corner. You want to observe everything, uh, learn about that person, catch their vibe, and then you're an open book. Um, so we, we contradict each other very, very well. Um, but we just wanted to kind of shed some, shed some light on great places that we've been. Not that they're hard to come by, but when you find really, really good niches, Supporting local places and people that are actually making a difference in the jiu jitsu community. Um, We really want to shed light on those people. These are fantastic guys. These are very well organized, very professional events, and you're not going to get stuff handed to you. Yes,
1: no. You you will never have any like pushover. There are no easy matches
0: matches in these. Um, And even those that aren't ready to compete, I think it's very important that you go to matches um, so that you can learn and watch. You can build your confidence in these kind of settings and um, just get familiar with the atmosphere. I think it's very important. So even if you're not ready to compete, you're thinking about it. Maybe you just don't know going to these places, um, keeping up with these competitions, seeing what's next in line, the dates that they release. Where they're gonna be? I think it's really, really important that we support each other, whether we're competing or not. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to give a shout out to some to some very, very good, um,
1: very good promotions. Yeah. and you know, like we also like we 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 enjoy doing this and we enjoy talking. And guys, we're, so we're on Instagram now, and we're on Instagram at the Fat Ear Podcast again. Fat is P H A T um so go follow us on instagram we'll be posting a lot of stuff on there we post in plenty of reels plenty of posts um also guys if you listen to this and you want to hop on here with us we'd love to have you in-house and i guarantee you that we're a lot more fun to talk to with someone else here because we talk to ourselves all the time we love each other <laughs> but we also we enjoy learning learn so much more other people so if you want to be on this podcast you don't have to be a jiu-jitsu guy you don't have to be a wrestling guy you don't have to come from any kind of sports background. If you've got a really cool story, and you want it heard, and you want to talk about it, shoot us a message. Shoot us a message
0: on uh, on our personal, on, Instagram, on personal Instagram,
1: whether it be Trent, Trent Creech 83 or at Simmons Wilbanks or even look at her company, Fathom Canine. Um, but yeah, go follow our Instagram page. Go find us on Spotify um, or wherever you listen to your podcast at. We can put it anywhere um but yeah if anybody has any really interesting stories any cool stories shoot us a message we'll find time to get you on here we've got a couple lined up for this weekend and uh other than that i think that's about it for tonight and if you have any questions if you want us to just like talk about things usually wednesday night is the only night of the week that i that neither one of us train so wednesday nights we could sit down and we can knock out a podcast so if you have any questions anything you want to talk about anything you want to have our opinion on just shoot us a message ask for it now if you ask us some like stupid question like we're probably not gonna talk about it on the podcast (laughs) or we might who knows um especially if you get Isaac in here with us we could definitely uh we could definitely ramble about some absolute nonsense but other than that I think that's about it yep about you
0: yeah I think we're wrapping it up we just wanted to uh have a good podcast about where we personally were in the jiu-jitsu world and where we find ourselves going. Um, For anyone that we have shouted out in our podcast, we are going to start tagging everyone on our Instagram page. Uh, Like Trent and I have mentioned time and time again, our biggest thing with this podcast is shedding light on the average Joes of the jiu-jitsu world, getting people's names out there, getting people's stories. So it's important for us to give credit where credit's due. So... If you're on our podcast and you're okay with us um, tagging you in things, making posts, uh, let us know. But we want to give back to all those that have given so much to us. So thank you guys for tuning back in for our third episode. We will see you guys next Sunday with our next guest.
1: Uh, John Minchek. So John is a friend of ours. John does charter fishing, and he also... Runs a uh, he runs a po- he, I'm sorry a podcast he runs a YouTube channel called Fishful Thinking, which is a really good YouTube channel. He talks about you know Charleston's a very big fishing town. He talks about fishing. He talks about how to catch fish in certain areas and is super knowledgeable about the subject. And we're gonna break him down and we're gonna talk to him about his YouTube channel, how it became pretty successful with YouTube, and how he got down here in Charleston. And I think that's about it. So, guys, thank y'all for listening, and we will talk to you in a few days.
0: Happy New Year.